So hello and welcome to this Still We Rise podcast series. I'm your host Nathan. We're on episode two of our Solidarity Knows No Borders series in partnership with Migrants Organize. Today we speak to three young women who've made an asylum claim in Britain. Amongst many things that you will learn from their quite harrowing accounts is that there are some people in this society that are denied the right to basic rights, who are systematically subjugated through a catalogue of oppressive laws and rules. You'll hear about the kind of humiliations that are visited upon them merely because they've made an asylum claim. Every day they are confronted by institutions that treat them with contempt and condescending ignorance. They are denied economic participation by a prohibition on their right to work and as such treated as objects of charity. This systematic denial of freedom of opportunity has devastating mental health consequences and effectively makes them prisoners of geography. We asked them if they could have conceived this kind of treatment, these kinds of violations in a country that prides itself as having a great reputation of protecting refugees. And the future for them is really stark. If the provisions in Pretty Patel's Nationality and Borders Bill, which is currently going through its second reading in Parliament, pass, they face the prospect of being banished to some as yet unknown offshore asylum processing centre. And for their compatriots who arrive on small boats on the channel, they face a real possibility of spending some jail time in Her Majesty's prisons. So I recently went along to Migrants Organizers Solidarity Knows No Borders Conference where I spoke to Adelia. I began by asking her to tell us about her experience of the asylum process. So Adelia, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Your experience of their asylum system is has been a very difficult one and we want to talk to you about about that today so you've arrived in the country and you've claimed asylum talk talk to us about what that's been like it's an interesting journey mm. <laughs> uh, you you never know what to expect mm-hmm. um, you reach for a place to to seek for for protection yeah and you find some something else mm-hmm. uh, the opposite okay. actually <laughs> yeah um you 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 go to a place where you feel scared mm-hmm. you don't know what can ha- what can happen to you yeah, um, you don't know your rights. Mm-hmm. You are, are you left behind a situation that, at the same time, you carry with you, mm-hmm. and and you reach this place where things are kind of in the same. Um, for me, in the beginning, I was like more positive. Yeah. Yeah. Because I needed to. I was alone in a new and different country. Yeah. Different weather, 
yeah. far away from home. Yeah. And I was trying to, okay, let's do it. This is the place. You are far in from the bad, mm-hmm. but from the good too. Yeah. And let's keep it together. Mm-hmm. Try to build a routine. Mm-hmm. Um, try not to think in the negatives. Yeah. Uh, aspects. Um, okay, they t- uh, I came by by plane, mm-hmm. and everything started like in the room with the wrong food there. They check everything. They take away your 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 IDs, your passport, all your documents that said who who you are. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I remember being in a waiting room. Not knowing what happened, I spent in the airport ten hours, and they didn't say anything. Just when 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 it was time to go to a, a certain office mm-hmm. where they will or uh, either take your your picture and mm-hmm. and foot and fingerprints or ask you questions, mm-hmm. uh, and I remember being there scared shaking like now <laughs> mm. and and after all these hours they they came and say okay someone will take you um I, did you feel safe <laughs> no because in part of this process they they were uh, building my bail mm. and like you have talked with other people about that and why why they ask you a question since now it's a question that is confusing mm-hmm. they they ask you something like is there something that uh avoid us to detain you and i was thinking to myself i need clarification to that mm-hmm. question because i was confused mm-hmm. but till now that that uh, goes around my head <laughs> yeah why 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 they should detain me i i I didn't do You haven't nothing. done anything wrong and yeah. you're just here to seek yeah. protection. <laughs> and I'm running away from, from that. Hmm. <laughs> and you're getting the opposite. Yeah. It was quite scary. And um they gave me this paper that says bail with my picture like a criminal picture. <laughs> and they finally said someone is picking you. I don't. I didn't know where. They took me a very uh, disgusting place. I I went around London in different accommodation, not knowing what's going on on the next day. Um. So you haven't been settled in one particular place. Like they keep on changing your accommodation. No, now I have. I, okay. I've been in in the same house for a year, right? More. But in the beginning, I spent like in five accommodations, different accommodations. Mm. And I remember when, when, when they took me from the airport, they mm. bring me to South Hall. Mm-hmm. And then one day they say, okay, they will uh, come and pick you. Mm-hmm. And they didn't say where. And, and I remember... So they just... They come and pick you up, but you don't get told where you're yeah, going. Yeah, no. Is this this is standard? Has this happened all of the time when yeah. you've moved? Sometimes, even when you ask, hmm. they say we can, 
we, we can say. <laughs> Have you ever asked why? Why they can't tell you? No, because sometimes you just talk to the driver who's mm. picking you up. Probably, I don't know if they know why. I don't so know. So do, do you have any rights? So say you, there's a particular place that you've been living in yeah. and you've formed a, a community and you've made friends and you want to stay in that place because you now feel that you're really safe here. Can you... Can you refuse to go you can be punished by that they 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 can i remember they can send you a letter telling you that if you refuse you can be homeless by next day yeah really so it's there's virtually no choice there no and what what does that do to you as a as a person do you feel seen at all or you know sometimes that's the thought i don't feel like a person in in that in this situation hmm. i i talk in another workshops or with other, another people mm-hmm. that they see you like a file and there is some point when you feel like a file you feel like you're just a number like you're yes, just like, one of like, many yeah. people yeah no people is a very strong word <laughs> that's that's what that's the view you form now actually that people is a strong word they've brought you down to something completely yeah. different yeah almost like an object like you said if if you build community um, hopefully this mm. community can help mm-hmm. but you don't have a voice you don't have a choice so Explain for our audience yeah. who wants to build solidarity with, with people who are going through your, your situation. How can they? How can they support you and try and change this whole environment, which feels very hostile? <laughs> yeah, I think it's important that people keep showing up. Yeah. Um, it's hard. And it's mm-hmm. tiring, but we need you, you talking need, yeah. to everybody who, who can show. Yeah, I think that's the, the better way to help. And being part of groups and, and places that welcome us. Yes. But in a way that they don't... They don't feels like victims yes yeah you want are. to be seen as <laughs> as a person with agency yes yeah the because we are trying to keep our identity mm. sometimes we lost we kind of lost that too <laughs> do, do you think because uh, that sort of points to most of the people who will want to help are mostly charitable organizations. Yeah. Has well, what's your experience been like with charitable organizations? I mean, probably that's the part that been helping me. Okay. Yeah, but um, it's hard 
you know the home office make us <laughs> I don't know just a body we can't choose or make decisions or structure our lives mm. and go to a charity and and receive the same it's you know <laughs> many of us experience bank food and things like that and that's helpful yeah but being there like a, oh poor little thing that's that's sad thank you for for the food but with another face maybe <laughs> when with another rhetoric probably is more helpful hmm. um, so your experience sounds like it's been a very very bad one <laughs> and what are, what are you hoping for I guess you're hoping the, the home office make a positive decision and you can move on with your life and get your power and agency back <laughs> yeah I, I I hope we finally manage to build community mm-hmm and keep showing up yeah there there will be always someone who needs that uh, strong mm, strong community yes yeah no it's been a it's been a pleasure talking to you and thank you, thank you for being so honest <laughs> about your your experience of of the asylum system thank you thank you <laughs> Adelia's experience, I regret to say, is common. I spoke to numerous people who recounted the same and, in some cases, more horrifying experiences of dealing with the Home Office. I then spoke to Ruth, who shared with us the terrible impact that the hostile environment has had on her life. And today I'm joined by Ruth from Migrants Organised. So, Ruth, welcome. Thank you. We're gathered here at the Migrants Organize Conference and its theme is Solidarity Knows No Borders. So you're particularly keen on focusing on the hostile environment and the really, really bad things and outcomes that it gets for people who have an asylum claim in the country. Talk to us um, a little bit about your passion around this subject and why you're fighting for change? My passion around this subject is um, the waiting time, the waiting time to get a decision. Mm -hmm. Because waiting for a long time, it caused a lot of problems Mm -hmm. because you're not allowed to work. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to claim benefits. Yeah. So you can't even um, get a proper accommodation. Yeah. Because you're not allowed to rent. Yeah, so you, you sort of feel like all of your agency has been taken away from you. Yeah. Well, what does that do to you as a person whilst you're waiting for um, this unlimited well, period, it seems? It affects your mental health because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can't do anything that you want to do. So you get depressed as well. Yeah. You don't, you don't feel positive. So you, don't, you haven't got any positivity. It's like just negative. Because you just feel like your life is just stuck in yeah. one situation, not, not moving forward. 
And are you during this period when you're waiting? Are you are you hearing anything from the Home Office regarding your no your asylum claim? No. And and how long have you been waiting? I've been waiting a long time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Goodness. So the public who are not aware or who have no understanding at all about the the asylum system may want to learn about how they can those who want to provide some solidarity, what kind of things can they do and how can they assist you? Um, well, the way how they can assist us, mm. I think they can listen to, we can engage with them, tell them what we are going through, Yeah. like enlighten them, because a lot of people don't really know what we are going through, like waiting, because I speak to a few people and they never know a lot these things do happen. They don't even know that we're not even entitled to benefits. So they're like asking, how do you survive? And mm. you can't um, get benefits. You're not allowed to claim benefits. Mm. You know, so you just, they can't believe that you're just living on charities. You know, this, how, can you, how can you survive on just charities alone? And if, if, if the public had one thing that they could do, so that your circumstances would improve or something that they could help change, what would that be? Um, I think they would, if they could get the Home Office to give you your papers quick, then they would. To make a decision? Yeah. Yeah, and what, what do you feel about not having the right to work and reading in the newspapers that there's so many vacancies available and you're you're available sitting there and just oh, without horrible. any ability to 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 go out and work you feel quite quite horrible mm. really it's not it's not really good because you're thinking there's so many vacancies out there yeah. that you could have filled and because of your situation you can't you know you can't you know you can't go out there to fill these jobs and you're thinking why would they have to get people from abroad to come to work and we're like here who could do the job but because we're not allowed to work yeah. we can't do it yeah no it's it sounds like a really difficult set of circumstances yeah. that you're you're going through so how do you hold on to hope i hold on to hope by doing my writing does help me because i do writing i oh, do what poetry. do you write about I, well, I write about migrant situations okay. and other anything that I like to write about. Yeah, and I do write. Are you Are you looking to to get published? Yes. Yeah. I would like to. No, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Ruth, and I wish you all the best in the future. Thank you. Finally, I spoke to Nanu, who's a volunteer organizer at Migrants Organize. She's awaiting her decision on her asylum claim. We began by speaking about the horrible stigma that is attached to the term asylum seeker. And today I'm joined by Nano from Migrants Organize. So welcome. Thank you, Nathan. Are you are you enjoying the the Migrants Organize conference? I am. Very much. Yeah, um, under this theme, solidarity knows no borders. Yes. Um, talk to us about your your asylum journey and uh, 
the language that is used um, in this whole environment and being called an asylum seeker and having this label. What, what does that do? What do you feel about that? Um, my journey first as an asylum seeker is a very long journey. Mm. If I have to tell my story, I'm sure we'll be here the whole day. Yeah. But I'm not here to tell only my story. Mm -hmm. I am here to share the story of a lot of people out there yeah. that has been given a name of a labor, being an asylum seeker. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, we have names. When yes. we came to this country, yeah. we came with a name. I suppose there, there should be a concerted effort to try and reframe yeah. and refer to people as people who are just seeking protection. I wonder what your thoughts are about that. Well, we as asylum seekers, as they call us, will be very happy if they can call us our names or they can give a title that is a bit respectful. Because yeah. there's a lot of things going on with uh, the Home Office. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like we feel like we are not dignified, we are not uh, respect, and uh, it's just because we seek protection. Mm. Because if, if I, I am an asylum seeker, for, for instance, mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. I go to an, an agent, I'm looking for a flat, yeah. rent, yeah. for example, mm -hmm. and then I give them my title that I'm an asylum seeker. I'm mm -hmm. sure they will look at me twice and they wouldn't even be able to offer me a place. So there's a lot of stigma and a lot of yes. negative it's, it's connotations. Yes, a lot of negative things because they're feeling like, okay, this is an asylum seeker. So she's uh, somebody who can't even afford anything, which is true because as we are asylum seeker, we, we're not able to work. Mm -hmm. we, we have a lot of things that they put boundaries for us. Mm -hmm. to do um so when you present that kind of particular name it's yeah. not an, a welcome name for yeah. everybody okay I so think. let's 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 engage with what you're referring to there as as boundaries because we're we're talking solidarity yes. so the public can support causes of people who are here just to seek protection yeah um what kind of of obstacles are you having to overcome so make these boundaries visible for people what sort of things are you unable to do and what campaigns are you are you involved in to try and get rid of these boundaries um for instance i'm in a campaign with migrant organizers which we are fighting for um well they call it reporting is bell they give that's another name they give to us is, yes is you have to present yourself to a center of one of the center of the home office so they see you and they know that you're there okay you are still in the country there is reporting thing um this this is even though they know where you live even though they know where you live even though they know that you don't have the power to move you i mean you don't have a document to show somebody so that what why are you reporting what are you presenting yourself for i mean i'm i'm like myself as you Nathan. i'm always confused hmm. why why am i here i i don't know if that's the language i can use but i feel like i was a criminal 
you know? Because no, um, I mean, I mean, they call it even a bell. <laughs> well, I mean, what am I? What did I do? <laughs> I think I think the public generally would understand someone who's on bail to be somebody who's committed a crime. Well, yes, exactly. And, and so it's very strange that they're using this type of language. So you've been involved in campaigning to end this reporting? Yes, that's what we're asking for, is just to end that uh, reporting, um, period. We, we don't want it because, I mean, I've, I've been saying we are not allowed to work. That means we have financial problem. Yeah. We have no fixed home to leave. Um, we might be living with somebody helping you. Mm. And this reporting center, they are not that next door. Mm. Let's say, for instance, I was living in West, uh, Southwest London. Mm -hmm. I have to report in Hounslow. Right. Have a look at the distance. So who, who pays for that, given you're not allowed to work? <laughs> do, the, exactly. do the home office that's, provide that's the you question. with transport? The home to office doesn't care. They don't know how you travel to get there. They just want you to be there. But there's, so there's just an expectation that you get there. So yeah. what 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 if? Let's talk about the details. What what if you don't have funds to go to this reporting? What happens? You, Are you, you penalized you, in any way? You've been punished. You've been penalized for in some way because that's that's your duty to go to the home office and show them your face that, okay, I'm still here, I didn't run away. But I think mm. this caused a lot of illness, like let's say mental health to people. Yeah. Because I might wake up in the morning, it's the day I have to go reporting and I have no penny. Yeah. And in my mind, is if I don't go, mm -hmm. they're gonna come and get me and detain me or deport me to my home country where I'm not, I am not protected. Mm -hmm. So it's, is 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 a very something that is unnecessary i mean from my point of view mm. because during the lockdown for for instance we've yeah. been like a year we were not going reporting in person mm -hmm. they might call you or text you just to make sure hello how are you where are you still the same address so that that, that worked for everybody mm. i mean we're still here yeah and they, they, they haven't made even any decision for us. We didn't run away. Hmm. So I, I, I found it is unnecessary for us just to travel. I mean, you should go to one of the center mm -hmm. and see people. Hmm. They treat us like unhuman. They, you have to get there. It's rain, it's snowing, it's, um, they don't care. You have to be there. People queue like we were animals. Hmm. But ask me, why am I queuing? I have you get inside the center you you just I mean the reception they see you your face okay mm -hmm. they see you okay bye see you next week is that it's, it? for me it's a kind of a punishment it's punishment because I, I I think when we're asking for protection we want to be protected we mm -hmm. don't want to feel punished we don't want to feel unwelcome mm -hmm. that's the way we feel yeah so how how can the public assist for those who are who want to give you solidarity to to end i suppose this this reporting because that's what you're fighting for well i will invite the public to join us mm -hmm. um this campaign we're doing is not just for asylum seeker i was quote the name again mm -hmm. it's for all human beings mm -hmm. out there because i'm speaking here as nano but yeah. out there, there's a lot of people facing a lot of things that I'm not, I don't know. Mm. 
So we will love everybody to come together to join us. As we say, uh, solidarity, no, no borders. Yeah. We can fight together to hand all of this uh, punishment that they gave us. Yeah. So everybody are welcome. They can join us in any anywhere. Well, there is a, a lot of organization out there. Mm. Um, if they look for us, as for example, Migrant Organize, yeah. we, are, well, we welcome everybody. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter you are an asylum seeker, you are a refugee, even though you are British, born yeah. here. You yeah. don't know, but you want to help us in any way, mm-hmm. everybody are welcome. And how, how do you stay hopeful, Nana, in the face of all of this, all of these hurdles that you have to overcome? <laughs> um, at Margaret Organize, my uh, role is, I am, I said I'm, I'm, a, I'm a volunteer, yeah. but I, I, I am a facilitator, I'm facilitating a women group. Okay. Um, is... 90 women who are asylum seekers, yeah. we call the name again, and refugees. Yes. Um, these women, they have, all of us have one thing in common. Mm-hmm. That thing is we are asking for freedom. Hmm. When we come together, we have session that mm-hmm. I run. Um, we do all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, it can be educational, it can be cooking, it can be um, <laughs> yeah. meditation, it can yeah. be yoga. We invite people to come and talk to us, educate us in different ways yeah. because these women are amazing. So I, I want to answer your question. I yeah. survive is because it's not that I'm helping them. Mm. I think they help me. Because when we come together as women, as a group, we feel stronger, we feel yes. powerful. And we know that somehow, someday, we're going to get what we want. That's amazing. That's that's an amazing spirit and an amazing fight that you're involved with with your community. So thank thank you. you so much for speaking to us. Thank you. So that was Nanu, Ruth and Adelia, three brave young women whose terrible experiences of the asylum system form part of a pattern of injustices and discrimination that is as persistent as it is predictable. They need your solidarity as they work to dismantle these dehumanizing systems. So get involved and go to Migrants Organizers website, which is migrantsorganized.org. They have a number of campaigns, most of which will involve some of the women you've heard from today. So until the next episode of Still We Rise, thanks for listening and goodbye.